So we do kind of give a special salute to dads on, on Father's Day and, and, and doing that by understanding it as Dad Joke Sunday. You know what it is that qualifies a joke to be a dad joke. It just becomes apparent. And there you have it. You know, the most important part of a dad joke is... You know what that is? Timing. And I even messed that one up. I don't really remember my dad telling me any dad jokes, but I think he was more concerned about where I was going with my life. Like he told me one time I was never going to amount to anything because of my lifestyle of procrastination. And of course, I told him, you're just going to have to wait and see. I did try being an electrician at one point, but it was too shocking for my coworkers, so I just had to bow out of that occupation. Title this uh, message this morning, uh, um, a statement that didn't come from my dad, but I, re- I think on it a lot of times and, and remind myself of it. Not my circus, not my monkeys. When we worry about things, sometimes... That's what we have to think about. This is not my circus, not my monkeys. We'll come back to that. But I want to remind us a little bit of the context before we get into our passage here this morning that is so perfect on Father's Day. Remind us a little bit of the context of where we are in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. Jesus has already told us, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus has already given us the bad news that nothing that you can do on this earth can make it so that earthly treasure is going to take care of you in the future. And in fact, it only reveals our hearts. He also tells us in verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The message here being... My child, money will become your master. Money will tell you that it allows you to be in control of your life, but in reality, you will give up your freedom to it. Made me think of a, um, a documentary that I was watching of a man who was liberated, a French man who was talking about the liberation that the American army, the the allied forces provided. And he said, you have no idea the difference between living under an occupier and then the next day living under a liberator. He said, it's joy. It's pure joy. That's the message behind what Jesus is teaching through this. You can't serve both God and And whatever it is that you're trying to control your world with. And then he's showing how God wants to be our father. And liberate us from those fears. So it leads us into 
How Jesus is answering the problem of how being mastered by money leads to a slave of anxiety, the slavery of anxiety. And, And hear this, not as Jesus pointing out saying, don't be anxious. But he's assuring us of what it means for God to be our father and the freedom that it can bring. He says, therefore, I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his king, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You might not be the type of person that struggles with worry. And that's what's being talked about in these passages, that mental worry. But I'll tell you, before you criticize someone, you need to walk a mile in their shoes. The reason for that is once you criticize them, you're a mile away and you have their shoes. Makes sense, right? Sorry, it is Dad Joke Sunday. But first of all, I want to challenge you here in our sermon. Don't let worry define your life. Let God define your worth. Don't let worry define your life. Instead, let God define your worth. That's what Jesus is telling us here when he says, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then he illustrates that with the birds of the air. And he goes on, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to the span of life? And then he illustrates that by the lilies of the field. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? As I mentioned, the anxiety that's being talked about here is the mental worry. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about this? What if we don't have enough of this? What if this happens? We're not talking about the physical anxiety that can so often grip us. That's a different issue. This is talking about the mental worry of anxiety. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Yes, 
Jesus asks these questions, and the answer to them is yes. Life is more than the things we tend to worry about. The truth expressed here is that life is so much more than the earthly provisions that we worry about. But if we're worried about how we will be provided for, we'll miss what life is really about. We are important to God. And because we are important to him, he wants to teach us about what is really important. In order to do that, he seeks to draw us out of the small things that we're worried about. Eternal matters. The soul of your coworkers, the soul of your neighbors, the souls of your children and grandchildren. Does this mean that we shouldn't give any care to providing for the future? No, that's not, that's not what's being talked about. You know, when I was a youth pastor and I would, and I would make plans to take students backpacking in, in the Black Hills, there needed to be some care given to what are we going to eat? What should they wear? As the New Testament commentary says, what is prohibited here, what Jesus is teaching against is worry, not work. Even the birds have to spend a lot of energy in hunting or searching for their food. But the point is that there is food to be found. And it is provided by your heavenly Father. A true understanding of that phrase is the ultimate antidote to anxiety. End quote. Can anyone be anxious? By being anxious, can they add a single moment to their life? No. Worry doesn't add anything to our life. It only steals from the present. Or as the, also the New Testament commentary says, anxiety in any case achieves nothing. It cannot add even a little time to our lifespan. Indeed, it might shorten it. Any of you guys that have regular appointments to your cardiologist, I'm not saying it's because you worry. But I, I hope they still say, as they used to say, you need to worry less. You need to, to uh, this is affecting your heart. Worry can be as silly as fearing that you might get attacked by a gang of mimes. I mean, they, they've known to doing, for doing unspeakable things to people, right? It can be like getting consumed with questions like if a seagull flies over a bay, does that make it a bagel? I recall when I was in, very troubled by the idea when I realized that the first French fries were actually cooked in Greece. Blows the mind. I read literally about a man that was so afraid of spiders that when he, when he saw one in his laundry room, he grabbed a can of hairspray and a lighter and went after it. He did $60,000 worth of damage to his house. No report on whether the spider actually died or not. All of that to get rid of a spider and fear of the future can make us irrational. God tells us, fear not. I am with you. And that includes, I will be with you. This guy should have just called Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Because he's an ex-Terminator. (laughs) 
So Jesus gives us these summary questions. Are you not of more value than the birds? Will God not much more clothe you than he does the flowers? The answer to both of those is yes. We find our true value when we concern ourselves with the business of our heavenly Father. You know, I don't get this idea of, you know, the flowers survive. They do not survive at my house. It's just, but then I realized these are the flowers of the field. You know what you call those around here? Ditch lilies, right? If you go, because they will grow in any ditch. Those orange big lilies, you can go and dig those up. You can put those anywhere in your house and they're going to flourish because God takes care of them. That's what we're told. That's how the care of our Father is like. Don't let worry eclipse the kingdom of God in your kingdom, in your, in your thinking. You know, as we've said before, something as massive as the sun, the center of our solar system, can be eclipsed by your pinky. All you have to do is allow your pinky to sit in front of your gaze between you and it. Don't let the things that we need eclipse the glory of God in your life. Knowing that God allows what we need should free us from worship. We can trust that God will meet our needs as we work with the abilities that he has given us. And making things better through worry is not one of those abilities that God has given us. Worry won't add to our lives at all. In fact, it steals from our lives. I read a story about some, some two sisters that because of, their mom thinks it was because of some things that they watched on TV, they never really, really even realized that, you know, man, there's, People actually break into people's houses. People get murdered. You know, they, they got exposed to some things on TV that they just were not ready for. And, and one sister started sleeping with a golf club, and the other one slept with a baseball bat. And a police officer um, named uh, Lieutenant Paul Barber heard about the fear that these girls had, how they had to have needed constant reassurance before they would go to bed, before they could sleep, that all of the security measures had been taken around the house. This lieutenant who had heard about this, this situation through his wife who worked with the girls' mothers decided since he regularly patrolled that neighborhood anyways, what he would do is he would simply write a note and put it on their door to say, hey, I was here last night. I was driving up and down the street. That didn't freak them out because they knew he was a police officer. I mean, don't do that if you're the neighbor. That does not help. But he, but he, he, he writes in this note, I'm, your poli- I'm a police officer. I work the night shift. I was patrolling down your street yet last night. I was watching. And I just want to let you know that there were no dangers. This literally allowed these girls to sleep. At night. Like these girls thinking that they have to take care of their own personal safety. It is so easy for us to imagine scenarios in which we might might land in, in which God is powerless. He is not. Like that police officer, God wants us to know, I've got it 
covered. How do we keep from letting worry define our lives? Let God define your worth. All people are worth more to God than the birds. And he can clothe all of them even better than he does the flowers of the field. As the crown of his creation made in God's image, all people last for eternity in either heaven or hell. And the question is whether we have a relationship with him as our father and can be welcome and can welcome his care into our life. Of course, the person even created in his image that does not have a relationship with God through Christ has a boundary between them and that fatherly care, that that fatherly um, attention that God wants to give for all of eternity as their, as their father. It's, that boundary is their sin. That boundary is our sin. But the truth of the matter is, is that God took his son to, and allowed him to pay the penalty of our sin so that God can be our caring father. And when we receive Christ as our savior, We acknowledge that Christ has paid for those sins. Christ had paid that penalty. And Christ offers us his righteousness so that we can live in a relationship with the almighty, holy, righteous God of the universe. And he becomes our father and takes over our care for all of eternity. It's as simple as that. I had a friend who struggled with fear. He decided through, through spending time with the Lord, he decided he was going to obtain the heart of a lion. As a result, he is barred from all zoos. They will not let him back. So you can think about that. Along with letting God define your worth, I want to encourage you to be about his work. Don't fall into the worry trap. Instead, be all in to your father's work. He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. We've run into this term, the Gentiles, before. These are people that, it's a summary statement um, of people who do not live in a relationship with God. In Jesus' time, it was those who did not live in the covenant relationship with God that the covenant, that the nation of Israel experienced. Today, under the new covenant, in Christ's blood, it is, it is a referring to people who do not live in a covenant relationship with God through Christ, with God as our Father. They do not know how to relate to the God of the universe. If you recall, this, this came up mentioned before when talking about prayer. As Jesus was praying about prayer, he said, Do not pray as the Gentiles do, because they think that just the way they pray, and if they pray enough, or as they, if they say the words enough times, then they can get God to do their bidding through it. We understand this as being man-centered religion where man is in the center and man expects God to orbit around 
man and what he thinks that his needs are. The man-centered manipulation of God rather than God-centered seeking of his glory and his will. Seeking his kingdom as our priority. Man-centered religion focuses on providing for our daily needs through manipulation. This is the same response that Jesus gave before about not praying like the Gentiles do. Your father knows what you need. Trust him. Most people think that they need to worry and provide for themselves. Maybe by using God or ignoring God. It's like if I listen to him, I'm not going to get what I need. The Christ follower should recognize that God knows what we need and trust him for it in his wisdom, in his timing. So we're, we're to seek after what God wants and to trust him that he will provide the way for our needs to be met. What we need is to be about his business. What we need is to be functioning about his kingdom. So we're to seek after what God wants and to trust him. There's an old saying, if the, if the good Lord was willing, and what else? And the creek don't rise. But you know there, even there, it's got to be God's will plus Mother Nature has to cooperate. That's not how it works. God's in charge of whatever we want to call Mother Nature. So don't be like the typical person who doesn't put their hope in Christ. Don't be worrying about how your needs will be provided. God is your Father if you know Christ as your Savior. Your chief desire should be chasing after the abundant life that Jesus offers. And you can trust that God is at work to provide for your needs to be met. Or as Warren Wiersbe says, Jesus said to worry is sinful, but to dignify worry by calling it some other name, concern, burden, across to bear. The results are still the same. It doesn't lead anywhere. We've talked about this before. You can fill your view. You can fill your eyes with a microscope or with a telescope. A microscope takes something small. And, a, and when you put your eye up to it, it fills your vision with that very small thing. I'm not trying to cast dispersions on what you might be worrying about, calling it a small thing. What I'm trying to say is we have a tendency to take something small and examine it and expand it so that we can never see anything but it. And the bottom line is, we have to step away from the microscope and step up to the telescope. A telescope takes something that is huge and distant, and if we were to grab it like the moon, it would crush us. But it draws it close. It allows us to investigate what is ginormous. So when the psalmist says, magnify the Lord with me, he's not saying, because he's really tiny and you've got to look real close. No, he's saying, step up, if they had telescopes in that day, step up to the telescope and fill your vision with who God is. 
And you won't have time to sit at the microscope. This is what we are to do. You know, as we're reading through Joshua together, as you're, as you're, if you're uh, joining us with the, our Bible reading program, the sheets are available like on the back um, welcome center. You know, this small people of Israel cross over into the promised land and they've got these established kingdoms with kings and armies and all that. And one after another, it's showing, yep, God took care of this army. God took care of that army. How easy would it have been for those people to go to bed thinking, we are going to attack a fortified city tomorrow and all we have is swords and spears. God spent 40 years teaching them to trust. And that was the answer. Worrying about our daily provisions is like putting an issue under a microscope. Whereas Warren Wiersbe also says, worrying about tomorrow does not help either tomorrow or today. If anything, it robs us of our effectiveness today, which means we will be even less effective tomorrow. So how do you not fall into the worry trap? Be all in in your Father's word. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and trust in him. What if your child was constantly wondering if the family was going to have enough food? What if your grandchild was concerned that they were going to grow out of their clothes and have nothing to wear? You would reassure them that you are watching out for their needs. You take care of those things ahead of time. What if their response was, what if you don't provide what I think I need? You'd think, you're a five-year-old. You have no idea what you need. If you had your druthers, you'd eat Twinkie every, Twinkies every day and wear your Power Rangers snow boots everywhere we go. Right? This is what our Heavenly Father is saying to us. I'm your Father. I know what you need. I'm working ahead of time. I'm taking care of it. Just let me be concerned with the things that you're worried about. I know that you think you know what you need, but if you had your druthers, you'd eat nothing but steak and pistachios and have hardened arteries by the time you were 40. He says you'd end up a slave to money. And believe me, there would never be enough. Trust me. Troubles with our past can certainly haunt us. Like the guy that I met that he was living in fear because he threw a boomerang and it hadn't come back yet. I had to ask him, don't you know what a boomerang is that doesn't come back? It's called a stick. Let God define your worth. Be all in for God's work. And lastly, don't lean into tomorrow's trouble. Be all in for today's. That's what Jesus is telling us. Do not be anxious, therefore. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So prior to this, the previous verses, we're talking about worrying about provision for tomorrow. This here in verse 34, we're being asked, why worry about trouble that might come tomorrow? And Jesus literally just gives us brass tacks here. There's plenty of trouble for today. 
It's kind of a funny saying. It became a saying of the New Testament times about borrowing trouble from tomorrow. You know, our Hispanic friends have a response to that. They say, mañana, mañana, tomorrow, tomorrow. We need to listen to that. Um, it's kind of like my dad's pessimistic saying about the future where he was, I swear he said this. He says he doesn't say this, but we'll burn that bridge when we get to it. Here's what we don't want to hear in Jesus' comforting words. Let's, let's just admit it. When we worry about trouble, it's not really a comfort to us to be told, don't worry, there's enough trouble today. Right? For God to tell us that today has enough trouble doesn't fit a man-centered view of God. In a man-centered view of God, we're thinking that everything should revolve around us and it's God's job to eliminate the trouble. That's not what God chooses to do. As one writer said, God's sure provision of our needs does not guarantee a life without problems. But they need not be multiplied by worrying about them before they occur. God knows about these two and can be trusted to deal with them when the time comes. God walks with us through trouble. He allows us to watch him solve problems for his glory. He gives strength or provides the solution to problems. But if we're too busy worrying and leaning into the troubles that we think might come tomorrow, we miss God's work in the troubles today. Here's the deal. If we're worried about future issues and we can't see the solution to them, it must be that God has not given us the grace for them yet. What God's will brings you to his grace brings you through. And to worry about tomorrow is trying to deal with a problem before God has supplied the grace for it. This gets summed up with saying, God, I'm going to trust you with that. I'm going to trust you with that. Just like the dad says to his child, can't you just trust me? We'll have enough food tomorrow. Can't you just trust me? We'll have school. We'll have clothes for you by the time you need them. Do you see how Jesus is telling God's covenant people, just like knowing Christ is our Savior, we are God's covenant people today. Our Father's got it, guys. Our Father's got it. I, I loved learning about how Corey Ten Boom's father would teach her, even as the, the world around them was falling apart, even as Holland was occupied by the Nazis, even as people were being rounded up, even as they were hiding Jews in their home and could be arrested at any time. At, at what point, Corey, as a young child, is, is, is talking to her dad and saying, what, what is going to happen here? She says, Corey... When we get to the train station and we buy the ticket, when do I hand you your ticket? She says, just before it's time to board the train. I said, that's right. 
And in the same way, you need to trust that these things are being taken care of and that you're going to need to handle them when they need to be handled. He also had another point in time, he, he, he illustrated, I don't remember if the suitcases were sitting there or if they were talking about it, but I think he said, Corey, why don't you pick up that suitcase and carry it onto the train for me? He said, Papa, that suitcase is too heavy for me. He said, Corey, in the same way as your father, I know that there are things that are too heavy for you to carry. So I carry them for you. As our father, Jesus is telling us, we can trust him to carry what is too heavy for us. So we need to give it up mentally into his hands. Let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. Live today with today's problems. Watching God take care of them. Any problems you're going to face tomorrow will still be there tomorrow. If they really exist at all. Does this mean that a tradesperson or a salesperson, they don't need to show up for work? No. But it does mean that having worked, they can trust God for where the next sale is going to come from. They can be fully present with their family because they rest in the Lord's care for tomorrow. They can take Sunday off to worship because they trust the Lord. They know that every, even if they do they, their best and they get laid off, it must mean that God has a different plan for tomorrow. Does it mean that a teacher doesn't need to prepare for class? No. They can sleep at night, though, because they aren't worried that they're about those kids or if they're meeting the new standards. Do these ideas mean that a parent or grandparent, that, that we don't need to plan for our kids' future? No. We still seek to share God's truth and to guide them in the path to Him that best fits their personality. But if we're worried about their future, we will miss those opportunities. And we can still rest at night knowing that God knows their needs far better than we do. And He can guide them better than we can. It was my mom's response every now and then when we would talk about worrying about this person or worrying about that situation or worrying about what this grandchild's going to do. She would say, I just try to remember, not my circus, not my monkeys. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Tomorrow is God's circus. And the monkeys belong to him. You know, all it takes to think the unthinkable is an iceberg. I'll say that one more time. That's the last joke of today. All it takes to think the unthinkable is an iceberg. Oh, man. I thought that one was going to do a lot better than that, but that makes it a dad joke, I guess. You know, think, yeah, think the unthinkable. There you go. There is no such thing... Yeah, okay, it's starting to, it's starting to hit. <laughs> Think the unthinkable with an iceberg. There you go. They're like, move on, please. <laughs> there is no such thing as an unthinkable future when you walk in a relationship with God through Christ. 
And that's because God is already thinking about the future. He is already in the future. And you don't have to worry about it. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for your fatherly affection. Thank you for your fatherly care. Thank you for the fact that you are already in the future. You are making plans. You have all of your might and your power and your knowledge at your disposal. And we can trust your heart. Thank you, Lord God, that just like any child, we need to learn, we need to grow. We need the problems, we need the troubles to teach us, to grow us. Thank you, Father, that you recognize that. Thank you, Father, that you are not this God that, that promises to remove all troubles. But that you look reality square in the face and say... I'll walk with you through them. That's what we want, Lord. Give us the reminder of that, Lord God, that in Christ you walk with us as our Father. And thank you, Lord God, for our fathers. Thank you, Father, for giving us the opportunity as dads to have that experience of providing, of caring, of hurting for those that we love. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.